back together again. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Episode four hundred and thirty-one, is it? Yes. Or thirty. We did four thirty last week, didn't we? Four hundred and thirty-one of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined in person again. You'll be delighted to hear after what last week's episode sounded like. <laughs> by English Dan. Hello. Santi. Hi. And Andres. Hello. Welcome. Um. Yeah, uh, that's that's happened. Uh, so I'm trying to remember what we got to talk about because well, obviously <laughs> most of the focus I think is, is naturally going to be on the stuff that's happened in the last couple of nights in the Libertadores but first of all we do have a round of league action I think uh, and would, I be right to, would I be right to say that every single Grande lost this weekend? Uh, well, oh, no, we'll find out in a second won't we? Yeah. Of course they're, they're not one of the grandes <laughs> in your opinion are they? Yes. So, and I, every Libertadores participant that's right except for one Ah, yeah. mm. Which wasn't too surprising given how many of them were fielding reserved sides and stuff. Because uh, they, they still hadn't played, right? Estudiantes. No, Estudiantes. Ah, and Talleres also. Talleres because, got yeah. a sneaky draw, yeah. Mm. Um, anyway. So the results from the weekend, well, actually, I don't think we mentioned, but yes, Estudiantes uh, played after we recorded last week and are going to be playing after we record tonight, quite yes. annoyingly, in the Libertadores. <laughs> and what did they do last week? They drew one off with Fortaleza. Away to Fortaleza, wasn't it? They're in La Plata. Didn't they lose yes. one? One off. Oh, one off. Okay. They're, they're still alive. Yeah. Uh, so we, I'll update you after the full-time whistle, full-time music on the podcast as to what happened. We have a full-time whistle. Maybe uh, we should get one. Yeah. I'll, I'll update you with the full-time score. The Estudiantes Fortaleza, which is the only round of 16 Libertadores tie that hasn't um, concluded already uh, after the, the full-time music of the podcast. But the league action went like this at the weekend. Central Cordoba 1, Argentinos Juniors 2, and Boca Juniors 0, Banfield 3 uh, on Friday night. Tigre 1, Tacheres 1, Godoy Cruz 1, Colón 0, Vélez Sarsfield 0, Atlético Tucumán 1, Gimnasia 1, Defensa Justicia 0 all on Saturday. On Sunday, Union Lanús finished 3-0 to Union. Barracas Central beat San Lorenzo 2-1. Sarmiento drew 1-1 at home to Racing. Huracan beat River 3-2. Um, we'll talk about it in a minute. It was not quite as much of a thriller uh, as that scoreline might suggest because River's second goal came in stoppage time. Um, Arsenal 2, Estudiantes 1. Aldo Civi 2, Rosario Central 1 in... That was Carlos Tevez's managerial debut, wasn't it? Or was that no, the last, the former, the the previous week. Yeah. Yes. See, so, yeah, you, you don't retain as much when you record them. Zoom, do you? No, I would just I kind of remember whether I, I remember guys mentioned money, yeah. really this, this week. He he criticized uh, Retegui because he finally. Ah, yeah. But uh, but it was the previous week in which he. Well, we'll discuss that 
in a minute, I guess, really, because uh, we, we barely mentioned him last week. We almost forgot last week. Indeed, oh, yeah. Uh, Newell's Old Boys 2, Patronato 2, and Independiente 1, Platense 3. Jesus Christ. So, uh, since, as we just said, we almost forgot about Toes altogether last week, and then we had to mention him very, very briefly because of the Zoom time limit. I um, think that not only all of the Grandes lost except for Racing, but... All of the grandes except Racing conceded three goals. Uh, let's see. River lost 3-2 to Huracan. Boca lost 3-0 to Banfield. Independiente lost 3-1 to Platense in San Lorenzo. Where, where's that result? I can't find it. They lost 2-1 to But the, the, match involved, oh, yeah. the match had three goals. <laughs> so, uh, Close so enough. Yeah. There is that. Um, yeah, unfortunately... Uh, San Lorenzo's goal in that match was scored by a San Lorenzo player. It wasn't a Barracas Central own goal. Otherwise, we could have almost. Tried there to was, as I think, every match or almost every match played in Argentina, independently of Copa Libertadores or Copa de Liga or Liga, a uh, bar controversy. Hmm. Yes, which we'll be talking much more about a bit later. Uh, but first of all, let's begin with Carlos Tevez. Is he going to be any good as a manager, guys? Are we expecting much of him? I mean, I think you probably guessed my answer from no. what I said last week. But. Uh, the fact that he needed to blast uh, supposed assistant manager, but eventually not, Carlo Rete, after not getting a win in his first few games, mm. says a lot, I think. And But the, the, the thing here is that Tevez uh, waited for Rete to go with him. Even when he was, he, he has an important charge in... Yeah, he is uh, the secretary for sport in the city of Buenos Aires. Yes. Yeah. Which will mean for him to perhaps fire a lot of people, or, well, uh, people that perhaps was working there that won't be there anymore. And, and that, apparently, for Tevez wasn't important. Wasn't important. The, the thing and is that we knew about this, like, two weeks ago, and yeah. he chooses this exact moment to blast him publicly, which leads me to think that he probably did this to cover up for those uh, negative results. Yeah, when he could have just said, look, it's a exactly. ship. We know the ship. They were shipped before I came. They've been shit since I've arrived. <laughs> we're going to have to give him a bit of time to find out if I can make him less shit. Like, that would be well, uh, the most intellectually honest um, answer, I think. Um, probably, you know, another coach wouldn't have done any better in these two games because Gimnasio are going great guns and Aldo CV have been solid at home at least since um, Martin Palermo took over. So, you know, in a vacuum, not two terrible results. Um, I must admit, the Gimnasio game I think I watched and they really didn't do anything. I didn't see any of uh, Aldo CV on, on Monday night. Um, it's going to be an interesting one. Like, I think I mentioned this last last week um, on Zoom, using kind of Sarmiento Junín as a as a yardstick. I used it for Racing to see if they could, you know, get out of their away funk, <laughs> uh, which they partially did. And now Central have Sarmiento at home, which is a match you kind of look at um, and think, ah, oh, if they're going to start winning a game, that would be a good place to start. Uh, I will qualify what I said about Sarmiento um, after the weekend's match because they're actually pretty good at home. I'll go into it if we discuss Racing a bit later, but I might have underestimated them, underestimated them somewhat um, when rating uh, Racing's chances last week. 
Yeah, it was the first time they had failed to win at home this season, admittedly, in their third home match. Um, but all season, they've lost only one home match. The thing including is, the copper, you mean? Including the copper, uh, yeah, all, all year, better said. Um, admittedly, that was a big defeat. That was the 7 0 um, against River. But overall, at home, they have lost, yeah, lost that one, drawn three, and won all the other ones. So, not wow. an easy place to visit, Corning. No, For no. that reason, I don't know <laughs> if it's a nice place to visit otherwise, but footballing wise, uh, not a great place to go. I can't, I don't think I've been. So I can't comment. No, I haven't. Um, no. I mean, it's, I'm a, sure it's lovely. It's a town in the middle of Buenos Aires province somewhere, so yeah. they're, they're all a longer drive away than they should be, and yeah. pretty industrial and boring once you get there, and there's a massive. Great mill or something in the corner of it. Yeah, I think unless you've got someone to visit in Queen, it's got the same same cinema and the same town hall and all the rest of it in the middle. Or your mother that has problems with, like Licha Lopez, for example, who moved to Junín because he's. Because he's from there, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you live there, you're probably. Yeah, yeah, of course. Justified in going there. I'm not trying to knock it. I mean, having been to a wedding in Chacabuco last spring, you know, but I, I suspect that having been to that wedding in Chacabuco last spring, I've pretty much been to Hunin. I mean, I'd say the same, yeah. Um, in the summer, I went to visit a friend in Nueva Julia, and I think I can probably say that. <laughs> I get the idea. There's a nice public park, there's a swimming pool, not really much else. No. Three bars, four maybe. Exactly. Um, so I'm going to play listener's advocate a bit here because I also didn't see Aldo City versus Rosario Central, but just looking at the statistics, mm. I know I say this all the time, they don't really mean very much, but. Central's second half performance, they do appear to have picked things up a little bit after going in, I think, behind at the... Yeah, 1-0 down at the break. Um, on paper, they seem to have dominated the match. So is Tevez going to be totally hopeless? or I mean, um, A lot of that depends on whether Palermo just dragged everyone back, mm. which I think he tends to do as a coach. Um, he's not the right. most adventurous of sorts. Um, I'd assume that was more to do with Central looking... To go for the game and Alosivi being happy with what they they had rather than any huge coaching revelation that Tevez might have had um, at half time. But I'm going to give him um, I mean, a little bit of leeway. Let's see how he does. I, I think that Rosario Central directors perhaps thought, well, Tevez was a great player, magnificent, magnificent player, which perhaps for them that means that he, will be, he also will be a great coach. And that is not necessarily like that. Um, I mean, of course, we will talk later about Gallardo if he will deliver or not. But Gallardo has his first, had his first experience in at Nacional, and he became champion. I don't know why not Tevez couldn't uh, perform like that. But uh, uh, I mean, Nacional in Uruguay against this central team. Yeah, well, yes. it's a little so, bit easier, I think, going into Nacional when you're one of the two teams that wins the league every single year. Yeah, I think it's, it was such a tricky kind of you know team to choose for. For Davis, because I mean, it's not a small team that doesn't have you know big aspirations, yeah, and it's not a team that can actually fight for championships, it's mm-hmm. just a very, very big team in a really tricky kind of situation, yeah, e- in economic and sporting terms. Like the you worst know, really, choice for your first job, almost, yeah, and and, and yes, yeah, Rosario City, which is yeah, rough to the say, least. yeah, yeah. I, I will get the first, I will get the first job as a coach if I were a coach. 
uh, at perhaps a place where there's a, a, little, a little less pressure that the Rosario Central. I mean, look, look at Gao and Elosivi. I mean, he yes. did perform poorly, but it was kind of swept under the radar and mm. until it became like way too like memefied to, to, to keep to keep going or even Palermo in his stints in Godoy Cruz and Arsenal he was flying under the radar not being exactly a roaring success mm. not even a success but he was still like flying under the radar I think the Gago parallels may be a good one to draw that we're not really going to get much of a sense of how good or bad Tavez could be as a manager until he perhaps gets his second or third job uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think the jury's still out on Gago as well. I mean, this is only his second managerial job, and uh, he's he's kind of, he's had a, something of a mixed kind of uh, going of things so far. Racing, nah, he's doing all the right things. He's. I mean, his start was absolutely abysmal. He's he's picked picked up some steam now, but results have still gone a little flimsy. Sud Americana performance wasn't good. Nah, considering how bad Racing were even just a year ago, um, you can't not gaggle. Considering it, and it's almost exactly the same team that was so bad under PC and all of them. I'm not having that. I mean, yeah, I mean, mean, it it has some merit. It has some merit for them to, you know. Lots of merit. uh, Play the way they are playing. We were talking about just before we started recording. He's got Copetti in the the sights of Udinese who are going to pay five, six, seven, eight million euros for him. Copetti, he couldn't even tie his shoelaces without falling over last year. Yeah, maybe that says a lot about the sporting directors at Udinese as well. Possibly, but it says a lot about Gago. Well, sometimes that talks about how a manager could take advantage of a player or, or make him improve, because with Pizzi it was, <laughs> it was well. Yeah. To, to get almost half of a Julian Alvarez for Copetti, if he goes for 8 million euros, is pretty impressive. Yeah, especially considering well, if that... You compare uh, it, if you compare it just on goal scored in 2022? No, no, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying in terms of the fee. Yeah, especially, especially so considering also, also that... Worth more than Julian Alvarez. You also have to take into account... Yeah. You, you, <laughs> yeah. you also have to take into account, as I was also telling uh, Dan before, that Serie A is like, notoriously short in cash to spend this season. I mean, the most mm. a team has spent so far in this transfer window is 12 million euros. So for someone to come in and spend eight... Yeah. On the player like Copetti, mm. it really says a lot. But yeah, I'm really see. hoping he goes the Maxi Lopez route and just slogs for all of these different Serie A teams a new one, a new one every year. Yeah, I don't see, I, I, don't see Copetti, I don't see Copetti winning a La Liga and Champions League anytime soon. Who knows? Who knows? But, uh, I still find it difficult to believe Maxi Lopez managed that. To be yeah. honest. <laughs> um, anyway, that's a natural segue into the Racing match which, as Dan's already said, uh, they rescued a 1-1 draw away to San Miento, which has now become, in Dan's eyes, the toughest place to visit in Argentina. I think that's what you said. The stats, the stats say it. Um, Jonathan Torres scored a penalty quite early in the second half to put San Miento ahead. Enzo, uh, the new Batistuta Copetti, <laughs> equalised with about 15 minutes left for Racing. Dan, what did you make of it? The point was fair. Um... If we're going to grab about the ref, which I think uh, we have to, there was... Uh, let me just get my bearings, because this game feels like it was a long time ago. Um, right, um, that's it. The Torres penalty came right at the start of the first half. And it was a penalty. It was a fairly um, clumsy offence committed by, I want to say, 
Insua, so I'm going to say Insua. Um, the problem was, it took ages for um, VAR to decide this penalty, which was fairly clearly a penalty, um, was going to be given a penalty. Um, so that slowed everything down. Racing then came back, uh, started putting some some nice football together, got the equaliser from Free Copetti. We're really knocking on the door. And that VAR delay on its own was about five or six minutes. There was an injury in there as well. There was a couple of fights. Um, they had to put... They had to go for at least 10 minutes stoppage time, and I think there was five, uh, which was not ideal, to be honest. Um, Did Lisandro Lopez refuse to take the penalty against his old club? Because I see it was awarded for a foul on him. I mean, this is coming back to what we talked about last week a little bit with uh, Lucas Prato. Um, I can't remember what we talked about last week. Vélez got the penalty... Against mm. River in the Libertadores tie, Lucas Prato didn't take it. Um, Luca Hansen did, and we had to work out whether this was because Lucas Prato didn't fancy taking a spot kick against his old team, or if Hansen was indeed Vélez's designated penalty taker, yeah, and the right. latter seemed true. For Sarmiento, uh, if I'd remembered this kind of conversation at all from Sunday, because I thought about this, uh, I. Don't know if Torres is their favourite penalty taker. Um, Lissandro missed a few for, for Racing. Notably, two in one match. Um, uh, Libertadores game back in about 2017, 2018 against, um, against Vasco, I think it was. He managed to miss two penalties and score another one in the same match. And it ended up about 4-1 to Racing. That was all very fun. Um, that game I went to so maybe it was um, a conscious decision by Sarmiento you know to keep Torres as a penalty taker or maybe uh, Lisandro just didn't fancy it, it looks I like, couldn't say it looks like Torres has scored a couple of penalties during the Copa de la Liga for them as well and they couldn't uh, have had so that many penalties so yeah I'm guessing one, he is scored one in October last year in the league against uh, gimnasia as well so yeah it looks like he is their yeah. penalty taker uh, yeah but uh, move on from there a bit for Racing yeah Racing could have nicked it but Sarmiento did very well in um, in keeping it together after after equalising after Racing equalised it's a very similar game to their meeting back in April in the in the Copa Liga when Sarmiento went ahead Racing just struggled and struggled to get the, the equaliser, but once they did, they ended up running out 4-1 um, winners. Uh, so they could have collapsed, but they didn't. They showed a bit of, a bit of steel. They, um, they put in a very good defensive display, and I think the point in the end doesn't do Racing that much harm. Uh, it's all going to be about the game on Sunday. Which I know Santi's very much looking forward to as well, as uh, as he told me earlier. I'm sure. Spoiler, I'm not. I'm really, 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 really not. But Independiente are in such good form going into the mm-hmm. Clásico, Santi. Why would you... Uh... They've had two of these, but I mean, look at the opposition. It's just the fearsome Patronato and the yeah. terrifying Platense. Yeah. Well, Platense are, uh, you know, second right now, are they? 
I mean, having said that, it, I mean, it says a lot about the, the quality of uh, football in this current tournament. Well, but they have signed Mauro Zarate. I mean, even even if, you know, Zarate didn't play a single minute against Independent. No, but he, he, he came in in the second half, but yeah. Independiente uh, took the lead halfway through the first half. Lucas Rodriguez, the goal scorer. Yeah. Alexis Sabela equalised, uh, no relation, equalised on a stroke. I don't think he's any relation anyway. No, former San Lorenzo. But he, he's an Estudiantes youth product though. Yeah, that's, that's oh. why I remember first asking like a couple of years ago when yeah. he first came through. But uh, I think we concluded that he's not related because somebody would have mentioned it if he was. Yeah. Uh, he equalised on the stroke of half time and then... Um, Platense, I was forgetting who were the winners there. Tikhanovic, I think it was, and then Tikhanovic and Taborda in stoppage time. Yeah. Former Boca, Boca No, it's a, I think it's actually a Boca low knee, ah, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they scored the goals that gave Platense that 3 1 win, but. Um, first goal in first division, by the way. Uh, wow. For, for Taborda. Of course it was, yeah, yeah. Um, what did you make of it, Santi? I mean, I think we can guess the, the rough. Tone that the argument was going to yeah. take. I, I know that, I mean, if I want to go deeper into this, I know there's a listener question. Uh, but, I mean, you've already heard me vent about this for over a year or two. Uh, it, it wouldn't be a hard pod episode featuring you if you didn't swear a bit while talking about independent. I mean, what else there is to say, right? I mean, it, this is a team that's, you know, getting worse. By the day, uh, I, I was actually, you know, pretty excited when we, uh, when Independiente announced that um, Eduardo Dominguez would be the manager because I thought back then, and I still think that, I still think that's the case, that when we appointed Dominguez, he, he was probably like the best possible manager that Independiente could have come for, even if they were not in such dire straits, uh, in such a pitiful political and economic situation, but... Uh, I think we've reached a point in which uh, this is not working out for anyone involved. Uh, and I really, really sense that uh, the Classico is going to be a massacre and uh, it will inevitably lead to Eduardo Dominguez either resigning or getting sacked. At least um, it won't be at the, at the Libertadores de America. Or it will yeah, that gives me an even less, uh, even less hope. For Independiente to get even a two-nil defeat, something like that. But the thing, the thing that keeps you know circling in my head is, if Eduardo Dominguez failed so clearly at trying to make something of this squad, if he had no involvement in trying to get the players he actually wanted, and they eventually ended up signing scraps and whatever they could possibly afford, who else? I mean, who else is going to replace him if he gets sacked, which I still think it's going to happen because it feels like there's no return, but who else? Rodina. Someone like, I don't know, <laughs> Forestello, the kind of managers who are, you know, on the merry-go-round. Forestello comes to your club when well, you've dropped. Well, very, when very San Lorenzo, before San Lorenzo, for example, uh, hired uh, Rubén Insua, uh, 
Rondina and Caruso were at least in the list because well, Gorosito was Gorosito was almost begging for for Sanuso to come get him, but uh, I think he made the best decision he could possibly have yes. made by staying at Gimnasia. And they are now top of the league. Last week, actually, yeah. So However, say, it worked out. It's the kind of situation that does call for one man historically. Ooh. He's Actually, I was about to mention it, but I think it's. I think it's a video podcast. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Salerno did go for Caruso Lombardi in 2012, and he did save them from relegation. The thing is, I mean, in no, relegation is not the, even the, the red-headed ball. I say the relegation, something. True. Sorry. Oh, yeah. There was some. I read a re- well. I saw a headline with a retrospective article on on that kid because it's obviously ten years ago. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. But uh, apparently that kid was instructed by Caruso Lombardi. Actually, mm. he he had a kind of like you know like a connection with him. So it was. I mean, oh, you so have to give you have to give most of the credit to Caruso Lombardi. But the thing is, I mean, relegation is not going to be a problem because of the sheer amount of teams and even the rumors that there may not even be another couple of teams getting relegated this season. So there is absolutely no way in which Independiente can get any. Anything resembling, you know, good news, even in terms of the next managerial appointment. Because right. even if you, when you mentioned Caruso Lombardi, he has a job right now. I think he's still in charge of uh, Deportivo Pañón, yes, right? I think it was he's he, somewhere. He was really, really, somewhere. he was really deeply involved with uh, this uh, uh, scam artist uh, Cositorto. Yes, remember that? I think he's Zoe. still. Zoe, yeah, was it? Yeah. Exactly. Generation Zoe. And Big I think it's yeah, uh, yeah I think it's still. Yeah, I think it's still. I mean, of course, Cositorto is no longer involved with Espanol, but I still think I still think it's uh, at uh, Espanol yeah, right possibly. now. I, I'm gonna just put my hand up now. I'm gonna interrupt the podcast, which I'm allowed to do because it's my podcast. Go ahead. And I'm going to ask for for this. Basically, this is a listener's question. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? What scam artist? What Henerasion? Oh, yeah. this... No, I'm not. Uh, no, I think he set up a crypto pyramid scheme. Yeah. Thousands of people put millions and millions of pesos in. He was on all the big TV shows. Like he hang out with politicians, uh, La Reta, the mayor of Buenos Aires, and then all of a sudden it collapsed, and he ended up in Ecuador. Like what? And now I think he has once again he has once again uh, scammed people for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a, s- a supposed bail that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, there's still people who are willing to. Put all their savings into this man who's already been proved to be a scam artist. <laughs> he, he promised for people for people to have I know I know forty percent in dollars proof profit for a, a year. You know, it's like uh, the, it's, it's that Simpsons episode when he uh, when Homer tries to get into a, a pyramid scheme, but the guy he tells him it's not a pyramid scheme, it's something like of a trapeze, <laughs> something like that. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, but yeah, the thing is, this guy um, had a, something of a of a stake in not just Deportivo Español, who are like their main... Uh, he was a main sponsor, yeah. yeah. yeah there was, he was also involved in, in teams like uh, Chacarita. They were yeah. also had Soy in there on the front of the shirts as well. So when all that collapsed, of course, that left uh, those teams scrambling for the, the bare minimum of cash to keep going, I think, uh, as one would expect from the very beginning. But yeah, this this whole thing happened in like January and February, and then it petered out as this guy was uh, caught and uh, put in jail. Oh well, okay. I 
somehow managed to miss that. Well, Carlos has to do with that, of course. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, surprise, surprise. Things we we weren't we weren't making I think a Hanopod episodes in January, in February to cover this. But the so. good thing that Caruso has is that he is good at watching players, cheap players that end up playing well at certain teams. Yeah, the thing is uh, with Independiente, I mean, and the kind of fan base Independiente has, you know, they are always um, demanding Independiente to play in a certain way. That's why Falcioni's appointment, for example, was met with such vitriol, and Falcioni has was you know uh, frowned upon by the fan base for the duration of his stint, his two stints actually. So when you bring in someone like Caruso Lombardi, who is like the ultimate uh, park the bus kind of uh, manager, and he's not even a, succe- a successful yeah. one like Falcioni, oh, it would be a massive admission of defeat. I mean, yeah, we we all know yeah. that Caruso Lombardi isn't going to be the the next independence. But, but, but I think... That but if they even think about it, it's just a huge... I think it's, it's time to... We've given up on football. Yeah, I think it's time to, you know, think that we've probably given up on Caruso Lombardi going into the first division again. I think it's been like four years since I he mean, lost. He's not going back. Football's yeah. moved on. Yeah. Like, even football here's yeah. moved on. In spite it's of the fact that I was the person who jokingly brought up his name, I, uh, we all hope that we're not going to see him yeah. in the top flight again. Or any no, I, I mean, I, I really <laughs> would like to see him, just not on my club. No. But I would really, really love to see him back in the top flight. No, pure entertainment value. He was uh, funny ten years ago, but I'm, I'm past that. We're right. going to talk about uh, another club where there actually is a managerial vacancy coming up. Um, no, not coming up. In fact, it's, it's open right now. Um, in a little while, but I think it's probably best if we leave those two teams mm-hmm. to discuss together, along with. The two teams who've just knocked them out of the Libertadores, or, well, actually it doesn't make much team. sense to discuss Corinthians, does it, on this podcast. <laughs> um, so, you know, the team who just knocked one of them out of the Libertadores, um, a little bit later when we're discussing the Libertadores results as well. But we should not end this little first half of the podcast talking about the league uh, without picking up Gimnasia, who mm-hmm. are now top of the league. They were the team who last week... Andres wasn't uh, involved, of course, so he won't have heard this. I'm assuming you didn't listen to the episode. Mm. Uh, but I didn't know what was going on because I'd been feverish and I'd been working <laughs> and I hadn't really seen any football since the first round of matches, apart from the odd game. So I ran down the top five in the league and was shocked to find that Gimnasia was second. Gimnasia are now top of the league. Mm. Uh, and Newt was first at that point, right? They were, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gimnasia have overtaken them on goal difference, thanks to the fact that Newell's drew, I think, and Gimnasia got a 1-0 win over Defensa Justicia. Any of you watch this one? I watched the highlights back on Paso a Paso on Sunday night. Cracking goal. It was a pretty good match, actually. I watched yeah. nearly all of it. Uh, and the it was goal plenty was highlights, to be honest. 10 or 12 minutes before full time uh, from Tomas Muro. Um, really nice finish. Just beautiful right hand channel just outside the box and a nice looping, arching lob over the goalkeeper into the far corner of the, of the goal. Um, and I thought a pretty well-deserved victory for Gimnasia, mm. all in all. Yeah, definitely. I think we've marked it out as one of the games to watch, right? Two teams who, mm. who like to attack, who play some decent football, and despite the relatively tight scoreline, it was it was good. At least the highlights, you know, which were extended highlights, because, uh, you know, they like to put on a decent, um, decent show. Um... And yeah, and then they got a stroke of luck with a 94th uh, minute Padronato equaliser against Newell's um, after they'd been 2-0 up again oh, at yeah. home. 
long way to go still, of course. Um, but they've got a bit of of daylight now, those those top two, because I don't know how long Platense can keep up, can keep it up. Like they're not going to be playing in the Benyende every week. Sorry, <laughs> I can't resist. Um, and they've got yeah, there's a little bit of daylight to um, to be working on. You know, even admittedly with twenty games to go, like maybe those those two can can make a run for the title. Who knows? Fourteen points for each of them, uh, only separated by one one goal for. Himnasi have scored nine, Newells have scored eight, both have conceded three. Uh, Platense are third and are still unbeaten. Yeah. Venice, so you know maybe they don't need to play Independiente every week. Uh, yeah, they're two points behind. Uh, yeah. Uh, Banfield <laughs> and Huracan <laughs> have eleven each. Uh, Racing, Godoy, Cruz Atletico, Tucumán, Argentinos Juniors and Unión all have 10 points Boca 9, River 8, Sarmiento 8, Patronato 8 down in 14th place now and then a whole load of teams <laughs> on 7 points You've only just reached mid-table yeah. which is wow It's actually yeah. a pretty good start for San Lorenzo considering how terrible they usually, they've been over these last few years You know, only one one defeat in six. Only one win as well. Yeah, only one win, but only one defeat. I mean, yeah, I'm, gonna, it, it, I'm a glass half full. I mean, it, it was against Barraca Central, though. They're 15th, mm. and they've got a goal difference of plus one. Um, and they have... Oh, hang on, I'm looking at the result for the match. I want to look at San Lorenzo's <laughs> results so far. Uh, well, they started off with three draws. They got a win over Central Cordoba. Then they got another draw, and now they've lost to Barraca Central. Uh, two of the draws have been... Well, one of the draws was, was Newell's, mm. which is pretty good, considering yeah. Newell's a second. But the others have been against, again, no offence, Santi, but less impressive teams. Um, <laughs> but then in Keep, that was during Independiente's less shit stuff, Stop saying sorry. Like, Just, I mean, if you want to bash Independiente, <laughs> you can do it without me getting offended, you know? I yeah, mean, it's, it's not necessary. We don't like kicking up. people when they're down here in... Um, it's funnier if we apologise to you for it. I mean, I'm already completely desensitised at this point, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, San Lorenzo, I don't know whether there's anything really that we can say that we haven't said about them many times. I mean, I think there weeks. is one thing we can say about them, which is that their, um, their sports director has just resigned, so, I mean... They had one, yes. Yeah, they mm. did have one. <laughs> yeah. that's, that, that's, the new, that's the news right there, yeah. the fact that they had uh, a sports director, which is uh, Matias Caruso, who just resigned for, you know, reasons... That's our plain obvious. Does that mean they don't Lorenzo. have now a president, a vice president, or a sporting director? They have a coach, at least. I mean, yeah, I mean... The, uh, they have a president now? I've I, 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 I heard that, uh, I mean, the, the one who's still in charge is Horacio Arrasegora. He's trying to convince uh, Caruso to keep, to keep going, but right. it's going to be really difficult yeah. for him to... Are to they going to have elections, or... I mean... I mean, what a great question, right? I they mean, should call. <laughs> I mean, if he, if Lamens ever returns to the presidency, uh, it's gonna be you know received like you know Mussolini when he returns to Italy, something like that, you know. But, uh, Is that a good or bad? <laughs> I mean, some people were happy. I think. I, don't know. I mean, it's just, it's yeah, you, you know how that you know how Mussolini ended up, you know, kind of like that. Right. But Fair uh, enough. I think that if, if there is something serious at, at that club, it's. Uh, I, I, for example, Tinelli resigned by via Twitter, and and they took that as official, and and he never re actually resigned. So <laughs> it's uh, it's really yeah. hard because uh, yes, they should call for elections, and and they still don't do it, and it's really really hard at that point. Uh, it feels like for some 
for some reason, like for some mystery, the, the people in charge do not want to yield power. It's a mystery why would they, yeah, even they though, wouldn't. Even though they've all gone on to other jobs that are much higher up the food chain. Yeah, but uh, to, to be still in charge of a big team in Argentina gives you yeah. something of a political, you know, advantage yeah, sure, that they would, wouldn't get otherwise. You would think that being minister minister of sport and tourism gives you a political advantage as well. In I mean, considering much more literal ways. considering the current state of this administration, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, a Copa Argentina result to tell you about as well is that Argentinos Juniors have gone out. They played an all-primera um, tie last night against uh, Defensa Justicia, and they lost 1-0. And that, very confusingly, because we're already into the round of 16, uh, was around a 32 match. Um, so, yeah. That, that's happened. Last week, Gimnasia beat Flandria in the round of 16. I think that was the first round of 16 tie that's been played. Uh, but the round of 32 isn't over yet. Again, you know, remember, this is the Copa Argentina we're talking about. It's going to get much more confusing before we get any clearer as to when the semi-finals or quarter-finals are going to be played. Wouldn't surprise me if the semis are played before the quarters. <laughs> Why not? That's, that's Why happened. the hell not? I mean, we have a Copa Argentina where that happens all the time, so... Yeah. Well, but it usually happens that the this Copa Argentina hasn't ended, and then and they are still playing the yeah. It's the, the one the follow, the, the, exactly yeah the following the, the one tournament that is truly continuous in the sense that it can never be said to have ended because the next one always starts before the current yeah. one has begun. Um, anyway, on that note, we're going to play some halftime music for you lot. We're going to refill our own glasses, and we will get back to you in a couple of minutes. Don't go away. Okay, it's time to discuss the uh, situation on the continent now. That, that's a little bit of my Britishness coming back in, because obviously <laughs> we're not on an island here, are we? We are on the continent. Yes. You know for not I mean. Sometimes it feels like... Yes. Thanks for not talking about Uragan River. So. The, the situation... Oh yeah, of course. Well, as I said, we'll discuss we'll that, because we also didn't yeah. talk about Banfield Boca, or rather Boca Banfield. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that was part of the plan, even though I'd just forgotten for a couple of seconds just there. Uh, but we're going to talk about continental football and about the two matches that Andres and I just mentioned. Um, because the Copa Libertadores is very much uh, into the round of 16 now. There's only one round of 16 tie still to be resolved, as I already mentioned. So the results so far this week have been Atletico Mineiro got a 1-0 home win over Emelec, which gave them a 2-1 uh, aggregate victory. Libertad and Atletico Paranaense drew 1-1 in Asuncion, which meant that Atletico went through 3-2 on aggregate. Boca and Corinthians drew 0-0 in the Bombonera in... I mean, I'm not going to say it was the most predictable scoreline of the <laughs> entire round, uh, but we did predict it on last week's Underpod. I remember I did. You 
you and who else? I said it was going to get tense, and then for that reason, it could yeah. be quite good to watch. Was it a tip for? I mean, for we weren't expecting yeah. it to be a classic. Was it a tip that? A tip for the wedding? No, very no. much no. not. No. Just that it was no. going to be a terrible game to watch. Yeah, and it really it's, was. Yeah, uh, the Jeez. fourth, fourth nil nil of this year between those two teams that they drawn. No, the no, no, Corinthians no, won two nil in Salvador uh, yeah. <coughs> back in yeah. February March, I think. So the third nil nil between those teams in, the, in this year's Libertadores out of four meetings, um, and then Corinthians beat Boca from the spot um, with. Sebastián Misha had his saved, yes. I think, and Dario Benedetto, I mean, we'll get to him because we have a listener's question about it, but it was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> literally he, put it into the second but team. But he, yes, he missed two in, in, in the whole match. Mm. Yes. Yeah, he did. Uh, Tacheres versus Colón, or rather Colón versus Tacheres ended 2-0 to Tacheres, uh, which gave Tacheres a 3-1 aggregate win. We will, of course, talk about that in a minute. Palmeiras beat Cerro Porteño 5-0 to give themselves an 8-0 aggregate win. Close, close round thing that one. Yeah, yeah. they just uh, about got through. May I remind you that Palmeiras and Flamingo are in different, in the opposite sides of their own, uh, you know, uh, draws. So that's going to be the so, final. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be a repeat. Yeah. I mean, the, the most likely scenario yeah. for me at least, so... Well, we haven't heard what Flamengo did just yet. They drew the f- they they won the first leg away to Deportes Tolima one 0 last week, and last night they oh they won seven one. I did know that going <laughs> in. I was just preparing things, for building up to some drama, but no, there was no drama. Uh, so they got an eight one aggregate win. So on that basis, Palmeiras one eight nil, Flamengo one eight one. So Palmeiras are better than Flamengo, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, the remaining tie... Ah, sorry, last night as well, at the same time as that Flamengo-Deportes-Tolima match, uh, River and Vélez drew 0-0, which of course meant that Vélez uh, got the 1-0 aggregate win. And Estudiantes versus Fortaleza, as we mentioned earlier, is yet to be resolved, but it finished 1-1 in Fortaleza. Fortaleza is a city, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, in Fortaleza. I think it's actually a state. <laughs> Fortaleza is a state, Natal is a city. Natal, that's the one. There yes, is. of course. Uh, in Natal, last week it ended 1-1, so Estudiantes have an away goal advantage, and they're going to have to... No. for anything. No. The away goals are in the Libertadores. No. They're no. taking them away again? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Uh, so, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Glory be. I either hadn't heard about that or I'd forgotten about it. Probably the latter, but yeah. Excellent. Good. What this means then is that with one round, uh, with one of the teams in, in the last eight still to be decided, uh, there are two Argentine sides, Vélez and Tacheres, in the last 16. And, and of course, we were guaranteed yeah. at least two Argentine sides because both Vélez and Tacheres were playing other Argentine sides in the last 16. Uh, and there are so far five Brazilian sides. So it could be six Brazilians against. Two Argentines uh, in the quarterfinals. It, obviously, it also could be five Brazilians against three Argentines. So maybe we're getting a bit. I mean, they keep the faith with the Estudiantes. I think they're gonna they're gonna squeeze through. They're at home. They've got the away goal already. They've been. That's not a away goal. If you tell me enough times, if you tell me enough times, it'll register. How many more times? <coughs> Somewhere up here. Yeah. Sam, um, what's gonna happen if Lanús go now? 
Yeah. No, the thing that was why I asked you earlier as well. So what, what uh, I said that was the So so if they score now, they they will qualify apparently. So what what, what listeners uh, what listeners didn't have the benefit of was right after we stopped recording the first half of the match, I turned around and asked to the room in general whether there were away goals in the second. I also America. think it's better for. And Dan said no while he was walking out for a cigarette, so I didn't get any more details than that. How much more do you need? But yeah, anyway. seven minutes. Okay, I've now registered that. So, Fortale, Estudiantes are at home. They've got yes. home advantage. They've also got the advantage of being quite good. But, you know, so did various other teams who've got out um, of this. So, uh, put, to put it clearly, if they do 4 4, there will be penalties. Mm. Indeed. Um, so, in fact, how many. River won their group and have gone out. Belles finished second. Colón won their group and have gone out yeah. to Tacheres. So it's not a good year to be an Argentine side who win your Libertadores group. Boca won their group. Yes. They did. Uh, Estudiantes won their group, so... See ya. Okay. Goodbye, Estudiantes. Now I'm starting to worry. Libertad won their group. They won Group B, and they're out. Palmeiras, admittedly, Mm. are not out. Um, It's also a 100% strike rate for the Portuguese coaches. Yeah. I mean, mean, we we actually were joking about, uh, you know, Portuguese coaches becoming champions, but, you know, it's a real... It's happened the last three years running. Exactly. I mean, (laughs) mean, the thing is that you need a Portuguese coach to become a Copa Libertadores champion, but, I mean, even Caixinha, who, uh, I mean, he was not precisely one of the more, you know, hopeful coaches... uh, from Portugal to arrive in mm. South America, is still qualified and made it to the yeah, quarters. Yeah. So, who I knows? I think it's fair to say. So, Vélez uh, played Tacheres in the quarterfinal, don't they? Yes. Yeah. They yes. So, we're guaranteed one Argentine semi-finalist, which is fantastic, obviously. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that it would be one of the most surprising runs in Libertadores history, even by the standards of the Libertadores, if Tacheres ended up in the final. Oh, absolutely. Never mind winning it. Absolutely. Ooh. It, it would be up there with, with Cucuta no. in 2007, getting to the semis. Well, uh, Once Caldas winning the whole Once thing. Once Caldas winning it in, yeah. in 2003. Independiente del Valle reaching the final. Mm. Um, it would be pretty amazing. So, yeah, watch this space. <laughs> but we need to talk about Boca and River because we deliberately yes. didn't in the first half. And specifically, we're going to start off... By talking about Boca, who at the weekend, or on Friday night, I should say, uh, got crushed in the first half by Banfield. I mean... 30 minutes, I think, they two of the goals, scored three goals. Yeah, two of the goals came, like, I think I feel like three or four minutes apart and were really good. Um, it was 3-0 by half-time, and the second half was just... I mean, it was Banfield just... It was like the bully in the playground mm. putting his much longer arm on the forehead of the kid <laughs> who's trying to punch him and the other kid can't yes. land a punch. Um, it was it was you know what you what Boca as opposed to do to everybody else everybody who goes to the Bombonera was being done to them. Well, they used to say that the cup the Copa Libertadores is their obsession and and that proved yeah that they indeed yeah yeah and then it ended up shooting them in the foot biting them in the ass whatever you want to say uh, because they were largely on top statistics wise at home to Corinthians um, the other night but as I've already said ended up losing. From the spot, um, the typical in a pretty dull match. The typical match in which the your rival, you know that they will be so waiting for you, and you can't get into the box, mm. uh, and and it's it's 
typical in, and you can't do anything or you don't know how to mm. uh, yeah I think sport. Corinthians had a few players out like four yes. or five first teamers out William Alson, uh, William one wasn't yeah wasn't there so they just decided to put everyone back and play for penalties really they <laughs> which, just, oh, yeah. which they obviously wouldn't have been doing if they were full strength because they never approached they might have gone a little bit more um, more attacking I mean a, a they, did the, they did the classic Bocca move they didn't have a single shot on target and one on penalties mm. admittedly so I, I really did get a, a taste of their own yeah. medicine which was quite delightful to see for someone who'd been on the other end <laughs> uh, according, to, according to these stats they had one shot yeah. they had one shot yeah which wasn't really uh, another uh, another Benedetto's uh, match uh, uh, ball to the to the to the stands I think yeah it was uh, it was an absolute shocker from Benedetto from the, from the beginning uh, but yeah I, mean, I, mean, I have to admit that it was a pretty risky tactic from yes. from Vitor Pereira because I mean in front of them you had a, a goalkeeper like uh, Autin Rossi who's even this penalty shootout proven to be Except a couple, uh, yeah. really really good uh, a really really good goalkeeper for, for those occasions uh, he watched the match mostly. yeah uh, and it's and it's also no coincidence that uh, for Boca the, the, the players who actually missed the penalties were the two worst players on the pitch and mm. coincidentally the two players who Boca relies on mm. whenever they need goals or something okay. and Bataria's only substitution mm-hmm. which was particularly damning oh yeah of course uh, yeah the, the, the person who actually ended up missing the decisive spot kick was Juan Ramirez yeah. uh, but the two that stick in the mind as I mentioned earlier were, were Misha's one that was saved and Benedetto's one that as Andres pointed out literally went into the second tier of the very very steep side in Bombonera uh, I have to admit it's probably one of the worst and therefore most hilarious penalties I've ever seen it's incredible hmm. I was thinking after after the first five had been taken and it had gone to sort of sudden death I, I just thought yeah. for, from a non-Bocca fan's perspective if you were going to watch a Bocca penalty shootout and see them go out the Libertadores with two players missing penalties those are the two that you <laughs> I mean, yeah. hey, Bisha shouldn't have even been playing since the start of the year for Boca. It's still, mm. I can't believe that they're still playing. Well, I can, <laughs> obviously, but just it's disgraceful that they're playing him. And yeah, just Benedetto. <sighs> Neither of them are likable people. Um, it's all I'll say on that matter. Um, but yeah, they have also sacked now Sebastián Bataglia, mm-hmm. hence why the Boca job is. Up for grabs. Ricardo Carlos Lombardi unfortunately probably won't be taking charge of them. Um, no, they, and they Santi, s- you were saying at half time that he, he was sacked in a petrol station. Exactly. That's what it's uh, that's what transpired. Uh, that they finished the practice and then they went to a petrol station in Nordelta, which is massive, of course, and incredibly, you know The petrol station or Yeah, the petrol station. Okay. And Nordelta is I mean everything is massive in Nordelta. Yeah. The petrol stations of course should be. And uh, that's where he communicated Bataglia that they wouldn't count on him anymore. Which is funny because I think the whole reason why Bataglia was sacked was not because of the abhorrent football or the pitiful results, but because he dared to speak at exactly the wrong time asking for uh, signings. Which is straight after the... That was the correct time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I, I mean if you were to ask for signings at any moment, that would have been like the worst possible time to do so. But if you take it away from the context in which it was said, and you looked at 
Boca's bench, substitute bench during that uh, Corinthians game, he did have a bit of a point. Let's but, read out the names on that bench. Yeah. Uh, Javier Garcia in goal. Legend. Carlos Sambrano, Agustin Sandes, Marcelo Weigamp, Jorman Campuzano, Esteban Rolón, Cristian Medina, Juan Ramirez, obviously, Aaron Molinas, Nicolás Orsini, Luis Vázquez, Luca Langoni. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I remember even as recently as the start of this year, and certainly the start of last year, we were talking about how River perhaps had the better starting eleven, but Boca probably had the, the strongest squad. But they had, they had the, the bench team on paper in Argentina. They had the bench two players... One player that wants to leave, like Zambrano, and one, the other, like, like uh, no, Campuzano, and the other said, openly said that he will retire, like Zambrano. Mm-hmm. They could have done themselves a favour and tried to patch things up with the really, really good Agostino Mendra over the last six months, instead of just freezing him out because he had a bust up, bust up once with Bataglia on the training pitch. Well, continuing. Just, you know, it's Battaglia well, wants well, to point to fingers. Arrested sex offender, Sebastian Hichel. Indeed, yeah. I mean, I mean I'm sorry to keep going. Apples and oranges. No, I mean, I mean you're, you're, you're in your own right to keep going because you're right. Because, but anyway, I mean, I, I, the thing is, I did find, I mean, in the, I mean, as I said before, if you take it out of the context in which it was said, it made a lot of sense for Battaglia to ask for reinforcements. Uh, but not at that time, once you've already been right. kicked out of the Libertadores yeah. and you played in the way that you played. Yeah. But With the a thing, far superior team. Yeah, but even, but even but. so, it proves that uh, Riquelme is still like this kind of guy who doesn't want to be uh, questioned in any way, shape or form. Even to the point where, on the day that Batalla was sacked, he had, a, he had an argument with uh, Sebastián Vignolo on TV where he was like trying to give him lessons about how to answer a question regarding signings, which is, I mean, hilarious. I, I think that, that he knew that he would be sacked and he said, I start the fire anyway because, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah they, 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 will, they will fire me anyway. It's, it's interesting that Riquelme it makes this decision I mean if obviously it, it might not have been Riquelme making the decision he's not the president but he is I mean, he is, he is the, the people who made the decision right? everyone knows that he's, he's the guy in charge calling for shots it's interesting that he makes the decision uh, based on the fact that Bataglia has been so vocal in the timing except when I mean we said this uh, before in, in years past in between him retiring as a player yeah. and him now taking this job in, in Boca's directorship I, I said several times I think that I thought he'd be a very good football administrator because of the ideas and, and, and the way that he thinks about and talks about football he's a good communicator clearly he obviously considers what he's going to say before he says it in the same way as he always considered what he was about to do before he did it yeah. on the pitch and yet He's basically sat by Taglia for saying something that he himself would have said a couple of years ago when he wasn't involved in the club at all. I think it's... Uh, but he was going to go. But is <coughs> always going to go after such a poor display, if, I think. If you're managing Boca and you're, you get knocked out of the Copa Libertadores before the semi-final stage... Yeah. Then... I mean, the, the chances are high for you to get sacked. But, exactly. but I still feel like every single decision that Juan Roman Riquelme has ever taken ever since, you know getting this role at Boca, it feel like, feels like it comes from this self, uh, self 
assume position of superiority over everyone else, that he assumes that he knows better than anyone around him, which is why he trusts Bataille until, up until the very, very end of, uh, of his stint, until he's just being disrespected by him. He signs the players that he already knew from his playing days, or even players like, uh, or, or even managers like Russo mm. and Bataille himself, players who already knew him. He surrounds himself with yes men and tries to, you know, uh, bash every any journalist who does not uh, be a complete stock up to him. It feels like every single choice he's ever made is like shrouded in a lot of hubris, you know. Yeah. Which is, I think, his main weakness as a football administrator, the fact that he can't delegate and he doesn't trust anyone but himself to, to make those big calls. Yeah. I know it's Ibarra, the next one. We don't know whether he will be internal. Or I mean, it's gonna be, he's going to be in charge for, at the very least, a month and a half. So Yeah, I don't think they make the same mistake as with Battaglia, right? Just Let's see. Promoting the, the interim just because he had a Let's see. win against... Uh, the, they they said about Messi and the Club de Amigos, the French club, and Boca is looked like much better like, like that than than, than Messi's from France club. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now one other manager who has has given himself a little bit of a cushion in in these terms, in terms of going out of the Libertadores before the semis, but probably isn't going to be fired tomorrow. If we're being perfectly honest with ourselves, is Marcelo Gallardo. Um, Riba lost 3-2 to Huracan at the weekend sorry to bring it up Andres after you thanked me for not doing earlier um, as I said at the very start of the show it was a less dramatic match really than that scoreline suggests because the um, second goal for Riba from Julian Alvarez came deep into stoppage time uh, to make it 3-2 after Huracan had basically tied up the win uh, it was a bit of an onslaught from, from Riba for the last like 20 minutes or so uh, but um, well, yeah, uh, I, I, I didn't watch that much, but I assume they played not very well. Yeah, it, it was uh. a familiar kind of performance of the sort that you've been complaining about really all year. Um, and then last night, well, Wednesday night, because we're recording this on Thursday, of course, um, they got the ball in the net against Vélez. Mm. And this is the point where we do, unfortunately, have to hopefully not spend as long discussing it as they spent making the decision. Um, but it was ruled out by Bar. A bit controversially, maybe? Not sort of... Incidentally, it ended up being the right decision because there was that picture of it mm. hitting Matias. I see that overall, overall, apart from that, which is... Yeah, you, there will be supporters that will say that uh, yes, Comebol uh, eliminated us on the bar and that... Uh, well, some time ago, River, River by the, the, the supporters of the rivals Perhaps it was called River instead instead of River because of the bar, and 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 it was true because River sometimes sometimes was benefited by by that uh, technology, and now, well, they are not they were not benefited, but overall, if you score only one goal in 180 minutes, well, that I think is more important than than, of course, the bar that took uh, disallowed the goal and and. Uh, uh, made that River didn't reach the penalties uh, because of course it was 83 minutes which meant that it was that goal or this is it because there were then 10, 12 more minutes I think or 14 more minutes after that uh, disallowed goal 
and it was clear that Rio was wouldn't be able to, to score another one because it was so hard for them to score yeah. one. Mm. Although mm. I'll, I'll say one thing, which is that, so, as I said, the decision was turned out incidentally to be the correct one because this picture came out afterwards with with the ball clearly making contact with Matias Suarez's elbow. On the replays that we were shown that the referee was looking at, that wasn't apparent at all. And he spent nine minutes... 42 times was the... Yeah, I mean... The, I kind of... We have varying opinions on VAR sitting around this table. I know that Dan is completely against it. But I'm, I've got some time for it, but I do think it's a bit daft if you're going to spend that long looking at it. And I think if you can't spot the error after, I don't know, two or three replays on a couple of different angles that the referee asks for, then just let the referee's original decision stand. Yes. Part, partly because... Whether the referee sees, oh yeah, it's hit his elbow, I'll disallow the goal, or whether he spends nine minutes going, no, and then eventually gives the goal, you've ruined, it, it, it affects the game in another way, because it, it spoils, River, in this case, River's momentum. If you end up giving the goal, then suddenly Vélez have got to completely switch and think, you, shit, right, now we've got just a few minutes to, to chase the match. And, and when it, it started again straight away, it's a little bit more back and forth. And, and there are two details. One is that Vélez didn't complain. Mm. Uh, and you know that if your rival doesn't complain or doesn't protest, uh, well, that's something, because uh, the, the Argentina is the country of the protests. And, and, <laughs> and if you don't protest, if because you are saying it was goal, uh, you, the face of Lucas Ochoz, I think is, it is the, the goalkeeper of Vélez, yeah. said, oh, come on, we, we resisted 83 minutes and now we are conceding a goal. Uh, and Roberto Tobar, the main referee, went to the bar, uh, to the monitor, and said, no, for me it's not the hand, for me it's gold. And the bar, the ones who are, were at the bar, convinced him or, 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 or made him uh, change his mind, or uh, they said, well, this is it, it's, 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 it's a handball. Uh, because it's so important, the, the, the play or, or, or the, the, uh, the, the play itself, than what the referee thinks of the play. And yeah. if the referee thinks it wasn't the hand, uh, but uh, as I said, apart from that, uh, I think that Vélez was better than River overall. They won 180 minutes because in the first leg uh, they were much better yeah, than River. Yeah. Uh, and well, it was only one goal and they could have scored more. Uh, so this time it was, well, yes, we lost because of the bar, but you had uh, two matches and you scored only one and then disallowed. Uh, and that I think is one of the aspects of, for. Uh, the, that River uh, couldn't solve the, the, the lack of goals, but also the aggressiveness, the physical strength that used to have, and now the rivals are using. I was, I was going to mention Nicolas Garrachal, who over these yes. two legs really impressed me. I've just looked him up yes. now. He's 22. Um, then, then uh, uh, yeah, just that central midfield. Yes, battling. quite, quite good, quite good. And I think I don't know whether he was a, he's a product of Bellas or. He came from another team and he uh, ended playing there. Let's check him out. But then they, for example, uh, jumped. Uh, there was this Abdiel Osorio, which is a strange name, but uh, and big physically. Uh, but uh, he was fast, and, and that is something that, for example, River couldn't solve the, the physical strength mm. of the rivals. And uh, I think that is something which River in the past used to use in their favor. And now they don't have it anymore. Uh, of course, with 
playing also badly with the ball. I think without the ball and we and we did it's something that uh, River is suffering some from. I think this 2022 is especially bad in in, in those terms. I think. Yeah. Do Do you think that there's an argument to suggest that if River had sold Julian Alvarez and Enzo Fernandez both to Manchester United instead that they would have played better last night, Andres? Or? <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. All yes. I'm saying is that there's no scientific proof that that wouldn't be the case. No, no, but uh, I, I think that the latest, latest matches proved that they were with their minds already in Manchester and, and, and Benfica. And yeah, Lisbon. Must be the case. Lisbon, yes. um, I did see one tweet last night. I don't know how much truth there is to it, but obviously Enzo Fernandez was sold to Benfica and it's... When he was sold, he was going to be staying till the end of the year. No, it was until the end of the Copa Libertadores. I see. So he's, he's I mean, at the end of uh, yeah, apparently it was a uh, well. But if Rivers' campaign in the Copa Libertadores extended beyond the, the transfer deadline, no, it would be until December. Yes. I mean, it would have made no Copa, sense for him yeah. to make a loan until you know September or October. Mm. So no, but when Enzo Fernandez was interviewed, I think against uh, well, I don't remember the match exactly. He said, "Yes, I will stay until November." Thinking that he will leave, uh, the, the, the river will reach the final of Copa Libertadores. Mm. Uh, it wasn't the case. Uh, Alvarez is off. He, yes. His last match for River was last night. He will be. Know. I think pres- uh, the presentation will be on Sunday. I think uh, with Erin Hall and and, and right. I don't know whether Fernandez is leaving now or whether he's playing at the weekend for River and then going. But probably won't because if he gets injured or something like that. Yeah. Uh, I should say. Um, Last night's defeat also cost River um, Luis Suarez. He said he was itching cool. yeah, to play for him. Last week, yeah. He said this this morning. He was very quick. He's like, oh, I really wanted to play for him. I was done. <laughs> oh, but they're out the Libertadores. What a shame. Yeah. It made me think of, um, you know, when you get invited to a party where you can't really be fucked to go. Like, it's far away. You've got to take a free buses, whatever. And then on the morning, uh, it gets rained off or whatever. And you're like, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> I really wanted to go as well, but, but on, on, what can you do? That on, on Luis Sa- Suarez's words really did come across like that. And on, on, on Sunday, there were some journalists saying, yes, it's official. Luis Suarez yeah. is coming to River and he will be presented tomorrow. Uh, I mean, he was never going to go. Yeah. I mean, on top of how unlikely he was to ever go, if they didn't get through the Libertadores, that it was never going to happen. Yeah. Well, but yeah. see, but, I mean, having said that, I think it was like really, really unnecessary for him to just the day after River is eliminated to go out <laughs> and say, that sort yeah, of sorry guys, I don't think I'm going to be around. Yeah. Leave it a couple of days, just, you know, so yeah. send in so, uh, a text. Or, may- or maybe wait oh, until you've already signed for another club. Yeah, yeah. And then you would be and asked about it. And then you would yeah. say, wait wait until literally the day after. Wait until the ink's dry yeah. on the Inter-Miami contract. And then exactly. But he said, walk away. well, I didn't want to go, but they insisted, so... I was, yes, if they passed, uh, wouldn't have uh, passed, I would have gone, but... And Arturo Vidal, who a week ago was apparently sure yeah. to play for Boca, was at the Flamingo game last night, and yeah. is about to sign for... They will play, play him ten, I think, ten time, more times than Boca would have. But well, yeah, especially after what transpired yeah. this weekend. It's, it solves the problem that Johnny wrote into us last week, asking about was whether he'll be able to find the barber in Buenos Aires to sort out his hair. Yeah. In Brazil, Rio, I think he, he should be right. Presumably, there'll be somebody with enough imagination to do something. Yeah. And if, Bo- if Boca had uh, gone through, they would have played against Flamengo. Flamengo and yeah. Will Vidal. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, 
the signing that River are hoping to make to replace Julian Alvarez is Miguel Angel Borja. Uh, you gave us a bit of an update while the microphone was switched off during the half-time break, Andres, but what's the situation there? Well, apparently the transfer, I don't know if it was unlocked, but until now it was uh, with serious problems to, to, to finally uh, 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 convert into, into a transfer because um, there is a dollars problem. In Argentina there is no dollars or there are very <laughs> only a few dollars and River, and River had to, of course, transfer dollars uh, to Colombia because Junior plays in Colombia. and. Uh, well, the, uh, the rest of the world doesn't yeah. have this issue with transfer. Central bank, the central having bank. a million different exchange yeah. rates and tax amounts for their when they want to buy foreign currency. And the, the central bank didn't allow River to to transfer those dollars until now, at least. The AFA apparently was going to talk with them and to try to solve it. Until now, I think it wasn't uh, solved. But uh, anyway, I don't know why Borja when. When and, and I, in this point, I think Gallardo is wrong, or, or he perhaps uh, uh, made the wrong decision because he left left uh, Giroti leave, yeah. and well, he scored uh, last night yeah. against Cologne. It didn't move any river. The thing yeah. that, that's incredible that Giroti scored and no and River didn't. Yeah, <laughs> it was like. But I think huge choice of fights. Gallardo wanted to sign Borja in like twenty. 15 or something, mm. if I remember rightly, didn't they? They, they were pretty heavily linked. I don't remember right? that, but... It's been linked every now and then, yeah. Sometimes um, we've been watching him for a long time. But so. they who was more linked with Boca than River. Uh, mm. When Boca was looking for, a, for a, a striker, they wanted only Colombian strikers, and it was Miguel Borja or Roger Martinez. Uh, and none of them uh, finally went to Boca. But at this point, uh, uh, I don't know why Borja, he's a classic number nine, striker that is in the box and you left Shiroti. Mm. Well, I know why. Well, you must apologise, of course, to Tacheres fans because you got a fantastic 2-0 win away to Colón uh, the other night. Goals from Federico Girotti, as we've just said, at the very start of the second half and from Angelo Martino so late in the second half uh, that oh, I was about to say that the River Bellis game would have finished, but actually it hadn't. It was seven minutes into stoppage time. Um, so it wouldn't have been too late for a goal in the Ripperbellis game because there were seven minutes or eight minutes of stoppage time in that. Um, but yeah, to, to wrap that up really, so aggregate win of 3-1 and over the two legs, very difficult to, to, to say that Tacheres didn't deserve it, which is pretty surprising when you look at where they are in the league um, and how they're playing domestically. But in the Libertadores, fantastic. They're 24th in the... Um, Liga Profesional, one win, two draws, three defeats. And they finished about the same in the Copa as well. Yeah, uh, they were one of the worst teams in the Copa. Yes. But in the Copa, the one that matters, they're in the quarterfinals for the first time ever. Um, and with a win in the Cementerio de los Elefantes. <laughs> I, I, I anyway see Vélez a team, I think, more solid team or more, I think, more like a team to, to go through. But Another team have been crap domestically. Vélez. Mm, yes. So that seems to be the key to um, to Libertadores' success this year. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Uh, so who would we make favourites without them? Vélez, you've just said, Andres. Slight favourites, but yes. don't discount the Portuguese coach. <laughs> Ever. No, yeah. obviously. In in the big, big matches, I, I think Vélez have shown... I was very impressed with how they did against, admittedly, Estudiantes' reserve side in that... Uh, 
final or penultimate group game. In last, the, yeah. the last game. Yeah, bear um, in mind, I think it was still with the with the interim coach back then. Yeah, not with me. Either. And, and no, another still, thing is that I perhaps would question Gachardo is look if you have uh, watched the at least one of the legs that Prater played against River, he was at the level that played for River mm-hmm. uh, four or three years ago. Yeah. Uh, and he was also left because of perhaps physical issues. He was uh, recovering from a surgery uh, at the time when he came back to River and Gallardo didn't t- take him into account. But you play, you, if you watch him play these two matches against River, well, he's at the same level, I think. Yes, indeed. Uh, I, I'd agree, actually. I thought it was very good. I was trying to look up the Libertadores tree to see who's playing who. So, apart from Belles versus Tacheres, uh, Corinthians Flamengo, as Santi sort of mentioned a minute ago, when he pointed out that if Boca had gone through, they'd have played against Flamengo. At- Atletico Mineiro played Palmeiras, and Ooh. either Estudiantes or Fortaleza will play Atletico Paranaense. And that match, the second leg is now underway. So Estudiantes are going to see whether they can make that away goal count. (laughs) (laughs) No, that was deliberate that time, don't worry. Um, In the Sudamericana, are the Argentine sides... This is a genuine question here, I don't know. Are the Argentine sides having a better side at the time of it? Lanús have just gone out, so no. They have. Union Nacional ended up 2-1 to Nacional on Tuesday night and obviously Nacional had also won the first leg 2-0 in Montevideo so Argentine side is out there Internacional of Porto Alegre got a 4-1 win at home to Colo Colo to go through uh, 4-3 on aggregate that was on at the same time as Union Nacional and I was seeing the goals pop up on my phone and And they started they started losing that match and exactly, they... Yeah. yeah, yeah, so they, they lost the first leg 2-0 and then they went 1-0 down, didn't they? Yeah, that's right. And uh, came back to win it 4-3 on aggregate. Serra, uh, who got a 2-1 win, I think with a, quite a late winner, if I remember rightly, in La Paz uh, last week. Yeah, with a 93rd minute winner, a very late winner. Um, got a 3-0 winner. Uh, got a 3-0 win at home to the strongest to go through 5-1 on aggregate. Melgar versus Deportivo Cali. Ended 2-1, and the first leg of that had ended 0-0, so Melgar go through. Um, that's got to be the best continental performance by a Peruvian team in a while. Vindicates the yeah, racing as and well. They, and did just in Crown Peruvian Champions as well, Melgar. Yes, right. They're yeah. really on a great point. Their manager actually will go on to, do, to manage uh, Colombia right now, which is another Argentine, the Torrenzo. Ah, that's the one. Oh. And uh, they actually have a, a player who is of interest to Independiente, who is for certain not going not gonna to be signed by Independiente. Who is left-back Paolo Reina. Peruvians really, really, really rate him. So, I mean, but well, of course it's not going to happen. Magar were very good in the two games against Racing. Yeah. Um, I feel vindicated. You know? <laughs> Racing missed out on the... Um, to, on the to, team, to quote another Simpsons It was reference. the team who, who were going to go on to win it. To quote another, to paraphrase another Simpsons reference, was against the best. You lost against the best. The probably the funniest result of this round in the Sudamericana was Santos, who drew one-one with Deportivo Táchira. The first leg of that ended one-one, and so of course it was two-two on aggregate. It went to spot kicks, and Táchira, who, allow me to just remind you here, are Venezuelan, put Santos. 
giants of South American football out of the Sudamericana on spot. Yeah, and I think uh, the the fans were so mad that they actually locked the the Tachira team and stuff inside the stadium and they couldn't get out for mm. hours on end. <laughs> Something like that happened. I mean, it really went rough after the after the final whistle. We, we know that Brazilians don't take home defeats in continental competition well. against Venezuelan teams. I mean, let's Even let's less. remember the twenty. Which Sudamericana final 2012. was it? When Tigre, yeah, 2012. I was, on, I was on an aeroplane, so I didn't see it. And I'd heard about it when I got off the aeroplane <coughs> at the other end. And yeah, I mean, that was at half-time when they weren't even losing. And yeah. they got it called off and got Sampaolo. I mean, they, they, the were, they wanted to make sure that yeah. they would win. Yeah. And talking of Sampaolo, they're currently also in action uh, against Universidad Católica at home. Uh, they won the first leg of that 4-2 in Chile, in spite of having... Three men sent off. God, this sounds like a good game. I completely missed this at the time. Uh, red cards for Igor Vinicius, Rodrigo Nestor, and Jonathan Caneri, who we might have heard of if we've been listening to Hand of Pod for an awfully long time. We should uh, say as well that result for Santos cost their Argentine coach's job, Fabian Bustos. Oh, oh, yeah, sorry, I was thinking Jorge San Paolo for some reason. He hasn't been there for about four he's not, years. He's not, has he? No. Who, yeah. is he? He's managing somewhere in Brazil. Two, two Argentinian. No, he's just quit Marseille. He's just quit Marseille. You were like three San Paolo jobs behind. Yeah, so. but that, that was why it was in my head that yeah. he just left Two his less Argentinians in France. No. no, this was Fabian Bustas, who is, curiously, never um, coached in Argentina. I don't know. He was very good at Ecuador. He had a great spell at Barcelona of Guayaquil. Um, yeah, well, his entire career almost in Ecuador Ooh. until taking the Santos job and failing miserably. I feel like we might have looked him up and talked about him at some point, maybe in an extra. Very possibly. I can't think why. As a player, he did play for Lanús, Belgrano, Atlético Tucumán. Anyway, the Sudamericana is a little more egalitarian, let's say, less Brazilian dominated um, than the Libertadores at this Stage Internacional, a Brazilian, Melgar, a Peruvian, Nacional, a Uruguayan, Sao Paulo, a Brazilian, so we have two Brazilians, Independiente de Valle, Ecuadorian, Tachira, a Venezuelan, and are in the quarterfinal of a continental competition. Serra, three Brazilians. Um, oh, and there's another match as well going on at the moment. Olympia are playing. Why isn't uh-huh. that showing up here? Oh, there it is. Oh, I see. No, right, because, yeah, Olympia versus Atletico Guayanense. There it is. See how that's going. I'm not sure why Dan's turning over from the Estudiantes game. Oh, they just scored Goyen. Yeah, well, that's why. That was why I was you aware see? of it because the goal flashed up on my on my phone. Uh, so they've just got two 0 up very early on indeed, uh, having won the first leg two 0 So they're oh no, they've just got two 0 down very early on indeed, after having won the first leg two 0 So that's now two two on aggregate after eight minutes of the second half. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so we could have. <laughs> Four Brazilian teams in the last eight of the Sudamericana as well, if this one carries on the way it is doing. Anyway, I will update you with those after the final music. Uh, Shall we go on to Lister's question, gents? I think so. Here we go. Estudiante just scored. 1-0. Oh, wow. Great header. the channel back. I've got a hot hand today. Flicking back. Go, go, go. I think it was Castro, the Uruguayan striker. Let's start... Asking some yes. questions. Rob Fitzpatrick, who made his question-asking debut on last week's episode <laughs> with a few crackers. 
says, one question I always wanted to ask is, why do you all support the Argentine clubs you support? Was it a my dad did story or something more random? I think that um, in Andres and Santi's cases, it might very well be that their dad did. And I'm absolutely certain that in it mine is. nor Dan's case, uh, it is. Andres? Yes, it was like that. Santi? Yeah. That's already answered that one. Dan, did your dad support Racing? Uh, <laughs> no, he's, uh, he was a Boca fan. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, basically, yeah, I've told the story a few times over the history of Handapod, but uh, when I came to Buenos Aires back in 2009, I was basically adopted by a Racing fan. Um, it's sort of a Jungle Book, Mowgli, Bagheera, Baloo kind of thing. <laughs> In spite of the fact that when we first started recording in 2010, you were living with a river fan. But then I was also there already a Racing Socio, by then. Mm. So it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they started taking me to the, to the games, gave me a Racing shirt and all sorts, and didn't really have much of a choice in it. So that's what happened. No, and uh, my dad didn't support, doesn't support River either. Oh. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not really a River fan these days. The, the reason I say that is I always like to see River win. I like to see them play good football. I like to watch Pac-Man. And you're like Luis Suarez. If they win, I am supporter. If they lose, I don't. I but don't but the, reason, the reason I say it, because I, I've been asked a couple of times why I say this now, but I, I, I don't say that I'm a fan anymore. I say I'm a sympathiser. Because like last night, watching the match, I didn't really care. Mm. Like I, I, I wasn't consumed with nerves about whether River were going to get that goal or not. When they scored it, I went, oh... But I always do that when it's a good goal or a and, dramatic goal. And you didn't celebrate it because you, uh, the bar will disallow it. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, but I mean, in as much as I am, uh, my ex-girlfriend was a River fan and she was the person who took me to a match the first time I came here in 2003. Hmm. Uh, what date is it? 7th of July. So, yeah, yeah. end of this month, it'll be 19 years since I first set foot in Argentina. Whoa. Mm. Yeah, I'm old, Sandy. When did you first set foot in Argentina, Santi? How old are you? <laughs> Almost 19 years ago. <laughs> Just yeah. over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't expect it to be in Argentina for so long. I'm gonna be oh no, I've not been there. in Argentina unbroken since then. That was the first time I came here um, ah, okay. on holiday. When did ah, you break? Right. Broke? Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> Continuously is what I meant to say. Uh, I mean, you might well have broken here like many yes, people have. Uh, Rob also asks, is Juan Jope Spanish for offside? Hashtag Libertadores, hashtag Colón, hashtag Tacheres. Ah, it's a joke. Um, <laughs> he does love an offside position, old um, old Yeah, it's like uh, the people in Saudi four times, is in, it's, except the fact that he doesn't have the part, the people in Saudi part where he scores goals, mm. actual goals. Bag full of toffee says, I think he might be an Everton fan, mm. is mm. it time for Gachardo after the elimination? in the Libertadores to move to Europe. I think it is, although maybe stick around to the end of the league campaign and try to win that. P.S. We will probably have a vacancy by December in my thoughts. Um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend him to, you know, get uh, the Everton job. Is the PSG job still wiping? Or no, well, I mean, no, Christophe Gautier just appointed. We'll have to see, we'll have to see whether in Europe they watch the previous seven years or, or this six months because uh, uh, of course, he has to do with the level that River is showing right now. Uh, mm. He, of course, could have said like like Batalla, I want to do the signings and they, like for example, Aliendro and, and Beltran. Beltran, who was a River player but was alone to Colón, and Aliendro, Colón player, both came to River just one week ago or, or, t- or two. 
uh, and there was no time for them to. So they completely screwed Cologne. Yeah. For what? To go out yeah. all the same? And in the Benin. Oh, Cologne. And in the Benin. I, well, I mean, they've already screwed Sandy. Yeah. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah. And he, but he didn't. Cologne. He I mean, didn't complain, but. Shut up, guys. Let's talk. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> he didn't complain, but uh, he could have. Uh, and uh, uh, if in Europe they see the, his job the last six months or the last year, perhaps, they will say, yeah, yes, he's a normal coach, not a, a super coach. So I don't know. We will see. I think that, I mean, as I said, when we were discussing River right after discussing Boca uh, a little earlier, he's, his record has obviously insulated him from the same treatment that Bataglia got. He's not going to be fired. Um, but yeah, there is the question of, you know, does he want to stay around for another rebuild? Do you want to have a go there? You know, eight, I mean, eight years in Argentina when he took charge in football, not just in Argentina. How many managers yeah, do you yeah, know that have stayed like at the elite of their respective leagues? Yeah, it doesn't happen. When when he took charge, happen. you had people referring to like Falcioni, who'd been at Banfield for like three years as the <laughs> Ferguson of Argentina, or Gareca at Vélez. Exactly. Um, and if you said when it, I mean, almost exactly eight years ago, around like eight years ago next month or something, when he took over from yeah. Ramon Diaz, if you'd said he was going to win the stuff that he's won and that he was still going to be at River in 2022. No, impossible. Yeah. We'd have found it difficult to believe. He's uh, an anomaly, completely. Yes. Especially since he also, you know, was a, a bit frowned upon because he was just uh, succeeding Ramon Diaz who had just won a championship as well. Yeah. So the risk, this, is, this was a risk. Because you, of course, you you are eight years in the same team. You won't play like all the time the way you want. Uh, and and unfortunately, the perhaps one of the worst teams or in terms of, in terms of performance is right now just six months after he before he leaves. Hmm. So that's that's the bad luck. Yeah, but the thing is that uh, oh Ooh. shit! Ooh. I mean, it is almost considered a yes. comedy goal thanks Bobble to uh, thanks to uh, Mariano Andujar blunder. But uh, the thing is, uh, I think that, I mean, if this is his weakest team, it's still a team that was entirely built out of his own, uh, the, the players he wanted, you know, I mean, this is still a team that he, he built with full control over his decisions. It's not like he asked for certain players and then the, the board couldn't, uh, couldn't deliver. It, uh, this is still a team. The one thing I'll say there is that they have been looking for a centre forward for some time and, and this whole thing with... Uh, the Bonilla. guy's just signed from Cologne. Ah, but, uh, no, uh, Beltran. Beltran, thank you. Uh, you know, if, if they'd signed him when they first started trying to bring him back, and he is a River player, like if they'd been able to cancel his last I'm not away, entirely sure and if... if he had had longer than a couple of days to train with the squad... I'm not entirely sure sense, if a, a centre-forward would have been a magical solution to all this problems because he also had some serious issues creating chances, and especially in defence. In defense, in but the they have, have a few in the Benetti have uh, sorry, River have really regressed in defense. Uh, in the, yes, in of the course, last, but the they have year. defenders and strikers. You, if you play, yeah, but they do have defenders. But these, these are all defenses that Gajardo yes. signed, yes, and have clearly been yeah. below below par. So the thing is, the thing with Gajardo, I think, is that I mean, this really looks like you know, the end of the road for him. I mean, it's already been so long with him at the helm that it, it was inevitable that at some point there would be a, a dip. I yeah. think, and I think this wouldn't be the like the perfect. I mean, not yeah. a, a, at the end of this season would be the perfect time for him to. Yeah, I'll stick it out to December. Oh, I will sure, say yeah. he. But I don't know if he'll fancy another. I will he'll say probably he, like you know you can see him going to December then just taking six months out. Yeah, that would that would be the he ideal. He must be absolutely fucked. Yeah, yeah. Eight years unbroken in like 
year-round um, top-class football. Uh, this has got to take its toll. This is the thing that the, the and absolutely no offence meant at all to to Tommy, who's asked a very similar question. Is this the end of the road for Gashado and River? And I think we've kind of answered that. Or to back for the toffee. But as I said, Gashado took charge of River eight years ago. He won the Sudamericana seven and a half years ago. He won the Libertadores six and a half years ago. Mm. And since then, pretty much, we have been getting questions every three or four months in this Q&A <laughs> section. <laughs> When's Gashado going to Europe? So it's a bit of a boring question. I, I, again, no offence meant to the two people who've asked it just now. <laughs> it's completely understandable, given the timing and given what happened the other night. But I feel like the more interesting question, and one that we haven't, as far as I can remember, ever been asked is... Who's going to be the next River manager, if and when Gashalo goes? Whether, whether that's you know, yeah. presumably it's going to be the end of the year. Now, I right? I feel like I've got uh, a name in mind. I feel like uh, Hernan Crespo tried to gamble on the possibility that Gashalo resign after winning the championship, and when that didn't work out, he went to to earn some so you feel like few bucks in, you feel like that's in the Middle why East. He peaked at the end of <laughs> last year. I mean. Yeah, I mean that that question probably was like the um, most. Uh, no, I wasn't thinking. Chris. I, I don't know. I was whether... thinking Caudet. Caudet. I mean, he's he's doing a fine. He's doing a fine job at Celta. I don't, I don't see why. Great job at Racing. Great job at Central. Doing a great. Yeah, job at but Celta. but I feel like but I feel like uh, his next job would probably be somewhere in Europe as well. But then Not it, back to Argentina. But this is something we talk about a lot. Like, sure, he could go on to to coach up like Marseille or. Bologna or Sporting Lisbon. I'm I'm assuming Calet isn't short of cash. Like obviously, <laughs> cash is important, but you're in his position. Would you go somewhere there where pretty much the best you can have for each year is getting into the Europa League, or do you go for a river where you have the chance to win everything? He's he's not going to go unless something astonishing happens next season. He's not going to ever get like. No. Real Madrid or Barcelona. No, that's no, what I'm saying. No, not yeah, at all. Or Juventus. I think yeah, something like, something that uh, think doesn't doesn't help Golden is the fact that he didn't yeah. have a, a an established European career, hmm. which is something like someone like Simeone, whose past jobs before taking Atletico Madrid were like back at Racing and uh, Catania. Hmm. Um, he didn't get the Atletico Madrid job because he was such a brilliant manager up until that point. I think he got it because he had a very brilliant pass with Atletico yeah, Madrid. He, he Plus, Atletico was terrible. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, he, he capitalized on his pass mm. relationship, which is something oh, yeah. I call it can't do, can't do right. at all. Andres, who do you think is going to be River's next manager? Well, no, I really don't know, but uh, <laughs> I, I heard some, and some time ago I heard that. Uh, and, and, and a name, and I, I, I think it's not a bad idea. I don't know what he will do with if he will join Gallardo when he leaves. But Matias Vizcay is, I think, a name mm. a cool fit because he's there. He's of course the assistant of Gallardo, and in fact he was the coach when Gallardo was suspended. And I think he won all of the matches, or or, or almost all of the matches. Uh, so it's continuing the same line, perhaps, and it's not Gallardo, but. The one who is by his side, so I don't see it so wrong. But yeah. I, I don't know the names, or uh, I, I heard also that Brito that with this happens it's really smoke. I think, but uh, that I heard that Brito's dream, dream is Bielsa. Uh, I don't see Bielsa ever getting yeah. a, no, a big by, team. Of course, by no means. Yeah. But uh, or Boca for that matter. Uh, 
Walker uh, even less. Yeah. But no. I, I, I would like to imagine the phone conversation <laughs> that, that would happen if Bocker with everything that goes on in their boardroom were to and the level of control that we get from house he, he will yeah. be fired in the second press conference yeah the but thing no but just the, the manner in which he would say no and then spend half an hour <laughs> outlining to them the reasons that he was saying no <laughs> I think I think Riquelme would would be the one hanging the phone because uh, he wouldn't stand listening to uh, Bielsa pointing out all their failings. Yeah, yeah. Like going out. No, but in the 68th minute of the game against Banfield, Benedetto could have cut inside, but he decided to yeah. pass the ball out, and that yeah. that really didn't. I think. Sit well uh, with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Going back to the original question, I think uh, a name that I would really put on the hat and consider. Something, someone that probably is flying under the radar, but uh, I wouldn't rule him out is uh, Santiago Solari. Mm. Yes. He has a pass with River, a brilliant pass at that. He has had some level of success in America. He has experience managing Real Madrid. I wouldn't put him again. That is, that's another name and another one who was some time ago linked with River, but I think won't be the I'm case. someone that if, if he's ever be, uh, offered the job he would yeah. absolutely take it with both hands yeah. how about Diego Coca yeah. newly crowned champion in Mexico champion uh, in Argentina I don't see another any. with past River, River past yeah. another who played in River is the Michelis and some time ago he was linked but has he ever coached anyone uh, he's, uh, the under he's coaching the under 23s at Bayern right now yeah how hard can that be? I, I think the interesting. Like, the reason I find it, the reason I find this an interesting question is that, Andr as Andres pointed out earlier, Gachardo was a bit of a gamble when River appointed him, mm. um, and really now they're, they're at a point where, because of what a great job he did, partly, and also because of the number of their former players and former figures who've gone on to enjoy coaching careers and are currently doing it at a reasonable level, they can't exactly just pick their next manager but you know there's a to within a certain degree as, as much as any Argentine club can if they offer somebody the manager's job then they can be reasonably confident that that person's going to say yeah I'd like to manage River <laughs> you uh, think so yeah. and so it becomes a question of can they pick the right person to do it mm. um, David Novoshevsky says has Benedetto's spot kit touched back down to earth yet <laughs> I'm going to answer yes to that but the only reason that I'm able to answer confidently is that the television cameras showed it hitting somebody almost in the face in, in the <laughs> second tier of the stand so yes it has David Estudiantes have just gone 2-0 ahead um, by the way so they've now taken a 3-1 commanding aggregate win to go along with that away goal the disadvantage of course is this uh, if um, who are they playing Fortaleza fight back to draw then they will have the away goal advantage no yeah he's, he's on site on site Darren Paul says lesser question but I'm convinced he's offering Santi some uh, hope for the weekend here but I'm convinced that pretty much every goalkeeper has a worldie against Racing I'm also as a result convinced that Arboleda is set for massive things despite how his time at Rayo Rayo sorry yeah I, would, I wouldn't uh, put a, uh, I wouldn't bet on Sebastian Sosa having a worldie against <laughs> Racing given his recent form hmm. We'll no. see. Oh, no. We've seen every shit independiente keeper come out, play out of his skin over the years. Hilario Navarro. Hilario Navarro is the whole reason why we won the Copa Sudamericana. So. He, was, he was so average. <laughs> Matias says, from last time, ah, because I think he, he tweeted this in slightly late to get involved last time. How bad are independiente's financial problems? 
And could you talk about Moshano? I see the fans want him to leave really bad. Mm. Santi, while you begin, because I'm absolutely bursting, I'm going to go for a piss. Oh, I'm going to so, go. Um, <laughs> Everyone is going to Fortunately, for me to. Fortunately, Dan's got two toilets, so we can both go. Uh, but Santi, you would want you like to. Share to... The toilets, no, very much not. <laughs> Santi, would you like to begin to answer Matthias's question and uh, just just keep talking? <laughs> yeah. I feel a little embarrassed right now, but uh, anyway, uh, I think it, this is the thing. So, I think I've, I've talked about this a couple of times before, uh, but uh, right now I think uh, the best way to describe Independiente situation is that the Mojanos tried to bank on Independiente's success at the 2017 Copa Sudamericana, and they essentially have done what in England is called elites, which is to bank on the possibility of Independiente playing Copa Libertadores every single year and spending accordingly. They, they've spent uh, millions and millions of dollars on bank average players who are, were either had connections with certain agents or certain managers were at the helm back then. I'm looking at you, Sebastián Becasese. Um, and uh, since those players never really performed and therefore Independiente's results on the pitch were average, uh, this meant that Independiente couldn't afford to keep paying those players. And uh, that meant that a lot of the key uh, stars in Independiente Sudamericana win in 2017 began to not get paid and leave on free transfers. And actually, they went to court against Independiente, some of them, over unpaid wages, which meant that Independiente spent a couple transfer, transfer windows without even the possibility of signing players which in turn uh, made Independiente's uh, on-pitch performance worse and worse and worse. And that's a trend that's kept going, even despite the, the appointment of, uh, of Eduardo Dominguez, because, I mean, since Independiente have, uh, are in loads of, loads of debt, they can't keep signing those, the caliber of players they used to sign before with the fees that, that they were involved, so they're now signing scrapes and... Uh, the average quality quality of the squad is getting worse and worse and worse every single year. So all of this under Moyano. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, of course. Meanwhile, um, the there was supposed to be an election uh, in December to oust the the current presidency, but uh, the the committee to that organizes the elections, which is which was back then entirely comprised of people who supported Moyano, were part of the party decided that one of the parties involved could not uh, stand for elections. So that party decided to uh, withheld, withheld the elections legally uh, until the, they were you know, given the, the guarantees that they could uh, stand for elections. And that's, that uh, hasn't happened in seven months. The, the, the people who are right now in charge of... Uh, Often they are still in charge even seven months after they, their term should have, should have ended and there are no indications that the elections will be held anytime soon, which is, of course, really beneficial for the Mojanos who keep fucking it up at every single turn. So I hope I've made a, a summary that's uh, not too long, but also like you can understand. Moyano is not there in the club. It's not. It's, you don't see him any anywhere. Yeah, it's very busy being the also one of the main men in the truck drivers union, which means that the man who makes all the decisions is someone who also is uh, 
dreadful, dreadful human being like uh, Maldonado, Giorgio Maldonado, who is... Uh, Whereas if he wasn't one of the main men in the truck drivers' union, then the man making the decisions would be a really good human being like Moshano. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's that's also not the case at all. Which, uh, I mean, there's also, you know, a lot of uh, tense, uh, there's a really tense relationship with the fans who are now being very vocal, but Moshano is using the barras to try and silence them. He, uh, he actually infiltrated barras within the stands where the people would normally sit and try to, you know, either convince them not to sing against Mojano or just straight up beat them. Mm. That's happened a lot. And there's also, you know, big, uh, <laughs> there's also like violent uh, altercations between different sections of the Arras. It's, I mean, it's a fucking shit show at this point. Is, is there any sentiment around Independiente that maybe the members were... Uh, we're back from the toilet now, by the way. <laughs> Thank you for managing to talk for such a We heard something continue to talk all the time. We were is, is there any sentiment ourselves. around the club that maybe the treatment that Javier Cantero got when he was president was a bit harsh? Because he came in no. an explicitly anti-Barra Brava... Um, approach and the fans hated him yeah. for poor results on the pitch a, re- a relegation uh, very bad footballing decisions but also for, for trying to do what he was voted in to do which was to rid the club of the barra but I feel with every president it comes down to the same thing if you get decent results they you will forgive yeah. everything yeah. else if the results aren't there you could be Jesus Christ himself and they still tell you the fuck. But what, what everyone says about uh, Cantero, I think... Not saying that Cantero... A big section of the defense is that Cantero appointed uh, someone like Florencia Arieto to try and uh, dissuade, in a way, the, the presence of Barras. Mm. And by the time the Cantero administration left, there were two different sections. Yeah. That's what most people uh, I mean, The reason I'm asking is, say is because of what you've just been saying about how Moshano has explicitly been using the Barra, which is not exactly something that's new to the world of Argentine football directorship. Um, but is something that we've not we've not talked about and we haven't seen happen so openly maybe in the last decade or so. It feels like the boards have been distancing themselves a little bit from that more so than at least like you know publicly officially exactly yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, whereas previously it was very open. For example, that Passarella at River was just completely in cahoots with uh, Los Borrachos de Tablón. Um, and so I just kind of wonder whether anybody, any, any independiente socios, whether there's any kind of vibe around the club that, oh, you know what, okay, he was terrible from a footballing point of view, but actually maybe we do need to get rid of these guys. No, I mean, there, there's no love lost for, for Cantero, even if he presented himself at the, at the, as the guy who would try at least to get rid of the Barras. I mean, I wouldn't exactly... I mean, I'm, I think it's still like right in the middle uh, in that kind of uh, argument. In this, in either, I, I don't think uh, Cantero was like the antichrist that some people, even the Mojano administration, who actually revoked his yeah. socio status. Yeah. Um, it was like the first thing they did, wasn't it? On like well, yeah, I think uh, when, they, when, they they went, uh, when they were re-elected, I think they revoked his socio, but they, they didn't do that with uh, past... Awful, awful independent chairman like uh, Comparada or Ducante and Sailor. They are still socios. Um, Comparada, God, I forgot about him. Yeah. That's, uh, Who we, was we talked a lot about him. Probably one of the main reasons in the PT of relegating yeah. in the first place. Who was called Comparada? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Matias also has another question that's related to Independiente. If, if you could give us a more succinct answer to this yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, will Dominguez get fired if Independiente lose against Racing on Sunday? 
I mean, I think it's. I I, 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 I've alluded to this before in this episode, but I think it. I mean, it feels like everything is uh, meant for Racing to absolutely batter Independiente. Stop saying that. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to jinx you. Are, you are absolutely trying to jinx. No, no, no. But I, I genuinely feel like that's going to happen. I yeah. don't see any scenario <laughs> where Independiente will get to the sheer something akin to a possible to a positive result and I think even if I mean if he doesn't get sacked he will resign because I feel like that relationship with the with the with the fans and uh, with the board a bit because of his uh, the board's failings to try and sign the players he actually wants I think that's broken yeah. and I feel like um, if Independiente or rather when Independiente get battered by Racing there's no way Eduardo Domingos will continue which as I said before if he like Probably the best manager in the Bindi could have gotten can't do anything against it. Who fucking will? Marcelo Gallardo might be looking for a job in the new year. Oh, I'm sure he'd love it. If you're feeling lucky. Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says, It's been a hell of a ride the last eight years under Gallardo, but are the good times now over, Andres? Well, yes. <laughs> Liam, um, the problem is, yes, that also with Gallardo, no, Gallardo won't leave tomorrow, but they will, uh, Enzo Fernandez and Julian Alvarez will. Um, so to replace them will be really really hard um, and yes uh, I think uh, along with him when Gashal lives that will be the time in which we will think seriously about the, 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 the or, or we will remember the times in which we won against Boca and we won the Copa Chocopa Libertadores and Sudamericana and Copa Argentina and that so uh, I think December will be the, 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 the month in which we will certainly uh, feel about that but mm. yes I, I, I think uh, good times are gone Darren says uh, were Banfield that good or were Boca's defence that bad the other night they were routinely ripped to pieces also Giuliano Galoppo which just side note here is one of my favourite names to say in Argentine football I wish he did more stuff more, more obviously and more frequently so that I could say it every week uh, surely bagged the goal of the Fecha goal of the season so far it was a good one Oh, it's a beauty. Absolutely beauty. Yeah, especially considering uh, that, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, uh, mysticism around the fact that Ramiro Enrique, of course, is the son mm. of River legend and uh, World Cup champion Hector mm. El yes. Negro Enrique, who also... The man know, who provided the assist exactly. for the greatest goal ever scored, as he never tires of telling anybody. Absolutely. I mean, with a pass like that, he couldn't miss, as he likes yeah. to say. <laughs> I think there are a lot of these yeah. players who seem too good for Manfield, but never... Get the move like Agostino yeah. Orsi. Well, uh, Juan, another game, another uh, son of a former Argentina international, Juan Manuel Cruz. Yes. I don't think he's that good though. Oh yeah, maybe yeah. <laughs> but in fairness, uh, he's, he's, he's and Orsi are very very good. In, in fairness, though, Juan Manuel Cruz's dad never sort of looked that good in spite of the fact that he scored fucking loads of goals. No, I wasn't going to say that. His dad was I mean, he's good, uh, the kind of striker that you don't, you only see, you only still see in Argentina, in the Argentine league, but not anywhere outside of Argentina. We should mention as well, Banfield's secret weapon. Uh, Coach Claudia Vives is... Ah, yeah. Notes. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and Which, also... Have uh, we explained it that he was worried that the bombonera was going to be too loud, so he decided... So write down his yes. instructions on a little pieces of paper. <laughs> and he basically like held it up <laughs> to the players on the sidelines yeah. as they walked uh, past. Like, uh, push up a bit more. Go in. 
Make the pass. And speaking Mate, of uh, and speaking of Global Vivas, have you seen that, have you seen that after the game, Agustin Ursi tried to have a go at us uh, at Global Vivas' daughter? Yes, and I he, saw, yeah. he insisted that his daughter is already you know in a relationship. Yeah, and Vivas wrote on a piece of paper like yeah, well way, yourself. yeah, yeah. yeah. No way. <laughs> Don't push your luck or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, Tom Robinson asked the final question of this week's podcast. Odds on, odds on for Batakis to be the new Boca manager, and which would be harder? Which would be harder to lower, inflation or Benedetto's penalty? Uh, if Dario Benedetto is listening to this episode, then I'm not going to apologise to him. Anyway. <laughs> I need to serve it. Um, Batakis as new Boca manager? Yeah. Why not? Who is he? Not her. New, new he's the, he's he's the new economy yeah. minister of Argentina. Oh, but yes. Well, I was trying to work out why I read it. Also strong Boca supporter. Yes. yes. She, she yeah, the, the kind of Boca supporter who still writes Rivera with a B. Mm. And I'm assuming, because I haven't actually seen any of the tweets, but I'm assuming she calls them Boquita. Or Boge. Boge. <laughs> during an interview, the, the, the sad part, because I don't think the things here are, are to make that jokes, he, he, she joked uh, that, uh, made, made a joke about the river issues to, to bring Borja and to leave yeah, release the dollars. The of dollars yeah. Yes, and she, and she said, no, I won't. Everything in favor of Boca. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that, that was the, yeah, yeah, that was uncalled for, probably. I think it's funny. Yeah, I've been so disconnected from football that I uh, sort of wondered whether Tom was mentioning some manager. That I didn't make the connection. So thank you for pointing that out. Uh, here's some music. In this weekend's games, I'm going to go through these quickly. Club Atletico Rosario Central. I'm not sure why Sofa Score is calling them that. I mean, they are, but quickly. It's not doing the Club Atletico bit to anybody else. Uh, Rosario Central versus Sarmiento. I think it's going to be a Sarmiento win. Patronato versus Argentinos. Uh, no, versus Arsenal. Getting overexcited there. It's going to be a draw. San Lorenzo versus Boca. Looks like a match you might not want to watch. I think Boca will win it. Banfield, I think, will beat. No, I don't. No, I think Banfield Union is going to be a draw. Tacheres versus Barracas Central is going to be a draw. Platense will beat Newells. Um, Estudiantes are going to beat Central Cordoba. By the way, it looks as if Estudiantes' second goal was disallowed. Mm. I mean, I say it looks as if. It definitely was, because yes. the scoreline is, is still 1-0. But Fortaleza have had somebody sent... They've had Pikachu Pikachu sent off, yes. A player, yes, you are that old. Who is named after a Pokemon character? Um, so yeah, I think it's his nickname, not his actual name. Yeah, yeah no, I get that, yeah. sure. But you know, in Brazilian terms, what's the difference? So yeah, uh, Estudiantes are going to beat Central Cordoba. Racing versus Independiente. Can you hear me, Santi? He's gone to the toilet. I think it's going to be a draw because of the fact that Santi has spent the whole match, the whole episode. I'm sure it'll be a draw. Yeah. Jinx Racing. Lanús versus Huracan. I think will be a draw as well. I can see it being quite entertaining. Maybe well, they're going to be playing, yeah. We didn't really we kind of gloss Huracan. over it, but they played they a blunder against River. And, and they deserve to win it. Uh, and as I said, it wasn't as dramatic as the scoreline made it, uh, made it seem. Uh, it was much more uncomfortable mm. for Huracan than 3-2 suggests. 
Uh, Atletico Tucumán versus Gimnasia is going to be a Gimnasia win, so they stay top of the league. River versus Godoy Cruz. Now, if this were Godoy Cruz versus River, it would be a River win all over, wouldn't it? Yes. But it's not. It's in the Monumental, and I think it'll be a draw as a result of that. Colón versus Meles as Tati coughs up a gut in the toilet. Um, Colón versus Meles is going to be a Meles win, I think, maybe? Yeah, I'll go for that. Defensive DCO versus Aldo Cini is a draw, and Argentinos versus Tigre. I have no idea how we're doing those teams doing, in spite of the fact that we just spent an hour and a half recording a Argentinos is better than Tigre. I agree with you. I'm going to go for an Argentinos win. That's that then. Wonderful. Gentlemen, thank you very much indeed for recording with me for another week. Thank you. It's been a long one, um, as the actress said to the bishop. So, for now, thank you very much indeed for listening to us. And goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. From Santi. See you around, guys. From English Down. Goodbye. And from me. Thank you and goodbye. Quick score update for you. Estudiantes ended up beating Fortaleza 3-0. So they got a 4-1 uh, aggregate winner will play Atletico Paranaense in the next round of the Libertadores. Um, and in the Sudamericana, since we talked about those matches in passing anyway, Atletico Guayanense did beat Olimpia 2-0 in the end and went through 5-3 in the shootout. And San Paulo beat Universidad Católica 4-1 for an 8-3 aggregate win. Uh, I feel like we mentioned that that might have happened during the recording, but anyway... Thanks for listening.